reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. In the name of our loving, liberating, and life-giving God, Amen. Please be seated. There was an avid duck hunter down in Anahuac, Texas, if you know where that is. He went by the name Cajun Pete, and he was actually in the market for a new bird dog, and he called Michael Soper because he had heard that up in Round Top, there was this breeder and trainer of very special critters. And he had also heard that Round Top was that kind of place where Interesting, if not miraculous, things happened all the time with people and animals. So Cajun Pete got in his truck and he drove all the way up to Round Top. Right off of Knipe Road, there was a place called Point Me the Right Way Pointer Pond. <laughs> and he went up and introduced himself to the breeder. And the breeder said, look, I've, I've only got one dog left, but Cephas is his name, his Brother Cletus, I just sold to Elon Musk. He's going to be the first dog in space. And there are actually only three in this litter. And their sister, Cephas Cletus Josephus, was actually claimed by Dolly Parton. And she had already dressed her in the dog coat of many colors. And she was now serving as the official greeter at Dollywood's newest attraction, the, the canine coaster at Dogwood. And so Cephas was the only one left, and the truth is he wasn't much of a looker. He seemed kind of slow, but Cephas was outrageously expensive. He was more, he was priced more than the other dogs combined, the dogs who had gone on to fortune and fame. And the breeder told old Cajun Pete, look, the truth is that in this life you get what you're willing to pay for and I'm just going to tell you right now, Cephas is the most amazing dog on the planet. In fact, 
he can walk on water. Sure enough, he threw a stick about halfway into the pond and Cephas trotted over on the surface, picked up the stick and returned it to his master. Sold, said Cajun Pete. Took him back to Anahuac and he could not wait to share this miracle dog with his hunting buddy, a guy by the name of Triangle Tex or Goldie for short. And he was one of those cantankerous, pessimistic, even always negative fellows, but he loved him in spite of himself. And they went out on the lake with Cephas, and a flock of ducks flew by, and they fired, and a duck fell. And Cephas the dog jumped out of the boat and walked right across the water, picked up that duck, brought him back to the boat. The friend, Goldie Triangle Tex, saw the whole thing and did not say a word. This went on all day, and finally, they piled back into his pickup, and they headed over to Gator's Pub for a cold Abita Amber. I mean, it's southeast Texas. It might as well be Louisiana, right? And on the drive over, Cajun Pete said to his good friend, Listen, Goldie, did you uh, happen to notice anything at all unusual or different or special about my new dog? And he nodded nonchalantly and replied, yep, sure did. Your dog can't swim. <laughs> I've known people like that. And sometimes I have been that person. One who completely confuses the point, misses the miracle when it is right under my nose because I've focused on the can'ts rather than the can. Maybe in those moments we are small-minded or jealous or afraid or unwilling or blind to that miracle in our midst. But I want to tell you, there is always one who is pointing ahead, calling us to be part of something so amazing and so divine we cannot believe what we are seeing. I used to share with my staff in Louisiana at Christ Church Covington near New Orleans, whenever some extraordinary challenge slash opportunity, and by the way, every challenge is a slash opportunity. And when one would present itself, which it did all the time, I would tell them, you know what? I am not interested in hearing about why we cannot do this. What I want to know is how we can because we work for the wonder worker, the doer of miracles, the one who is always calling us out of the boat in the midst of the most formidable storm. And if we are willing to keep our eyes on him, to reach out and embrace what he can do with us, we, like Cephas, like Peter, might walk on water. The two stories we heard in Scripture today are, are about the the difference in mindsets between Triangle Tex and Cajun Pete. Joseph's brothers were, were so jealous that their father, Jacob, loved Joseph so much, even to the point of gifting him with this beautiful coat of many colors, as we have traditionally come to call it, that they failed to recognize how much their father loved them, the blessings they had been given, 
the generous gifts within their grasp, the extraordinary opportunities of their lives. They were so small-minded that they wanted to confine, contain, and maybe even kill this dreamer. The one who, because he knew his father loved him, could dream, could envision the extraordinary, could see things that others, like his brothers, could not. So they pushed Joseph into a pit, but that was not the end of the story. A pit? <laughs> Are you kidding me? A storm? An obstacle? A challenge? That is nothing for the God of Jacob, the God of Joseph, the God of Jesus. Today's gospel is such a beautiful story about humanness and faith. As he so often did because he depended solely on God for his strength after a long day at work, teaching, maybe feeding, maybe healing, Jesus withdrew to a quiet place, likely a cave up on the hillside. The hills of Galilee are dotted with these caves. And one of those caves is still there. And our Holy Land pilgrimages, pilgrims actually saw and sat in and prayed in that cave. And I have to tell you, it's not easy to get to, but once you're up there, you're there by yourself, and the view is so inspiring, it no doubt reminded him of God's power to handle any storm, to lead and guide and save. And apparently, Jesus could not swim because he had to walk on water to get to his disciples who were being tossed about in their boat. The wind, as it so often is, was against them. And the waves, as they so often do, threatened to drown them. And Peter, who had so many flaws but so much faith, said, Lord, if you tell me to walk on water, it's going to happen. I'm going to do it. And so Jesus invited him to step outside the comfort zone of the boat and come toward him. And he did. And as long as he moved toward that place where Jesus called him, as long as his focus was on Jesus and what Jesus could do through him, he was part of a miracle. But it was when he noticed the wind, <laughs> when he paid attention to the wind which was against him, the wind of opinion, jealousy, small-mindedness, discord, doubt, when he shifted his focus from the Lord and looked down, then he got scared. Then he started to sink. And so will we. If we take our eyes off of Jesus, because the winds are always going to come, especially when we step out in faith. But Peter, he got it. He realized that when you're sinking, when you're in trouble, you ask for help. You ask the Savior to save you. And at that moment when we ask Jesus for help, he will. There's a wonderful book that our bishops committee has been reading and reflecting on recently. It's written by a guy named Olu Brown. He's an extraordinary man that God has used and is using to change the world. And he comes from quite humble beginnings. He was born and raised in a poor neighborhood right outside of Lufkin, Texas. And he 
graduated from a, a mighty institution called Jarvis Christian College in Hawkins, Texas. Most people have never even heard of it. But at some point, Jesus called him to get out of his boat of comfortability and complacency and do something amazing. To launch a new church plant in Atlanta, Georgia, a kind of church that immediately wanted to, to dream big and do great things for God and reach people who had given up on God and on themselves. They called it impact because they wanted to make an impact. And they started with a very small group of about 25 people. But those 25 people, though imperfect, were big-minded and big-hearted and wide-eyed and visionary, and they believed that God had called them to walk on water, to share good news with people in a way that was impossible. And in a few years, every Sunday morning, 2,000 people joined them. 5,000 people joined them online, and they were changing lives in Jesus' name. And he writes in a wonderful chapter called Dare to Vision Bigger at Every Step. We dare to vision big. And God blessed us big. No matter how big your vision is, if God gave it to you, it does not make God afraid, and neither should you be. If you think your vision is possible, it is not big enough. Dare to dream impossible dreams. Now, I know it doesn't feel like it right now here in the middle of August, but the most wonderful time of year is about to begin, football season. <laughs> and it's, it's the most wonderful time of year because not only is football season about to start, but the Astros are going to go to the playoffs again. <laughs> as long as they continue to take chances and dare to invest big, they are going to win big. Now, I have a confession to make this morning, and I hope you do not drive me out of town. I support the Texans. I really like their new coach. I grew up passionate about the Houston Oilers, and I have the years in therapy to prove it. <laughs> but if you really want to know, my favorite NFL team is the New Orleans Saints. I mean, I am a priest, after all. Come on. Now, my wife Sandy's connection to the Saints goes way, way back. Her grandfather was one of those businessmen who crowded in to the Bayou Bar at the Pontchartrain Hotel to draw up the paperwork to create the New Orleans Saints. And her dad took her to games almost every Sunday, and she remembers that they were terrible. <laughs> and worse than terrible, they were boring. She remembers the paper bag that covered her head. <laughs> and that was back in the day when three yards and a cloud of dust was the mantra for some coaches. There were some coaches who literally said, you know, when you pass the ball, three things can happen, and two of them are bad. Can you imagine having that attitude today? It would send your team straight to the position of cellar dwellers. 
Now, Sandy and I both love not only the Saints, but we loved and love Drew Brees, who, by the way, Sandy, is a Texan. One of our first dates was to watch Drew Brees set the record for most touchdown passes thrown. It was a great excuse to kiss her. <laughs> but years ago, long before I was a Saints fan, there was another quarterback. He started with the Raiders, and then he played for the Oilers, and then he played for the Saints. His name was Kenny the Snake Stabler. And I have to tell you, in one of my favorite sports interviews of all time, a journalist from Sports Illustrated shared a quote from the author Jack London with Kenny Stabler. And this is what that journalist shared with Kenny. I would rather be ashes than dust. I would rather that my spark should burn out in a brilliant blaze than I should be stifled by dry rot. I would rather be a superb meteor, every atom of me in magnificent glow, than a sleepy and permanent planet the function of man is to live, not merely to exist. The reporter then asked Kenny Stabler what those words meant. <laughs> Stabler smiled, sunk back in his seat, pondered for a moment, nodded his head, and said, he's saying, always. Row deep. <laughs> when it comes to following Jesus, don't just run the ball. Don't just stay in the boat. Don't just try to confine the dream to the pit of practicality. Step out in faith. Dream big. Look to Jesus for help. And always I just need like never 
Won't you please? 